They fear-mongered, but where's the big campaign to get everybody healthy? Type 2 diabetes is at epidemic levels in America. Obesity, U.S. adults have now hit 50% obesity rates. I think the children are at 32%. Where's the big push to make everybody healthy? I didn't know anything about any of that, nothing. It was just like, that's the food that I had, and I'd eat it, and I'd fit in like fresh juice and yeah. sandwiches and stuff, all organic, all super clean, fresh that stuff, and I was like, and I... <laughs> I feel like it's I feel like it was partly what saved my life aside from the angels there like you were talking about you had angels absolutely you know, around you angels in human form yeah. that's the other thing mm. I had a lot of compassionate people around me man I would show up at Angelica Kitchen and Leslie the owner and my friends that worked there would be, would be like hey man here's a dragon bowl which was like everything organic brown rice beans greens dressing parking like whatever there was always people there helping me out Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to have John Joseph here with us today. Uh, if you don't know John, John is the author of a couple of pretty epic books. One that I just finished reading, which is Meat is for Pussies. Um, it is a, a really actually inspiring book. Um, a lot of storytelling and a lot of empowering information on how to improve your life, your health, your overall well-being, your fitness, everything on a plant-based diet and John's own journey in uh, transforming his health and his life. It's actually a, a pretty epic book, really well written, just storytelling, funny, inspiring, crazy. Like it's, it's, I highly recommend it. But John, if you don't know him, he, uh, he grew up on the mean streets in New York City back in the mid seventies. Um, you know, we have a lot in common with kind of our childhood grew up, you know, uh, struggling with addiction homelessness um got into punk rock has been in a punk rock band um uh, as an as a uh, epic musician and um eventually got into a spiritual path transformed into a plant-based diet and is um an iron man athlete john you've got this epic uh history and transformation man you made it through a lot You've inspired a lot of people and you're just living your true authentic self. So I'm excited to uh, connect with you deeper, learn more about you and your story and, and what you're up to. And I uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been, it, it's kind of funny because uh, it's first time we've met. I feel like I know you already. I've listened to hours and hours of your conversations with Rich Roll on his podcast um have read your book and yeah, been listening to your 
Yeah, you've had some good. I think you've been on there like five or six times, probably, huh? Five, five times. Yeah, yeah. You shared some pretty crazy stories. I was listening to a story the other day of like uh, when you were touring with your band and you guys were driving down the road and in your van and like the dude driving, I think, fell asleep or something and like rolled off the side of the cliff. You guys oh, basically yeah. almost died. Well, that was uh, he didn't fall asleep. He uh, he was stoned or something. <laughs> Smoking fucking hash, and uh, it was winter time up in like the Vermont area. And I said, "Hey, man, you know it was snowing." I said, "Stay on the main road, you know, because it's going to be salted." And uh, I was asleep in the front seat, and uh, I woke up to him going, "And fucking, we just went down a cliff." So he went on some back road to try to save twenty minutes hit black ice and uh yeah it was uh not a good scene man but you know i i uh did what i was supposed to do you know when you you know when death is there you're supposed to chant and that's that's what i did everybody else in the van was screaming and i was just chanting <laughs> so uh and i yeah it was uh yeah you know i had a lot of those kind of uh run-ins throughout my life, you know, so I, I give thanks to the most high every day. I'm able to open my eyes in this world and try to leave it a little better than the way I found it. You know, was, uh, that's the, uh, that's the standard according to the Vedas of India. So. Yeah. I mean, I love that, that part of the story because, you know, you really practicing your spiritual practice in the moment that it matters most, right? When you're yeah. basically facing a near-death experience and you go right into your spiritual practice, which is chanting. And so yeah. you, you just, you, you've you been a Hare Krishna devotee for a long time, right? Uh, yeah, like... Uh, 30 years or something, I think? 81, man. Since 81. 81. So third was that? 30? I was vegan raw foodist before I was a Hare Krishna. That's... I didn't get into that from Hare Krishna. I was already plant-based, raw, like raw foods, hardcore, man, sprouting and all of that stuff. Like uh, the first, um, the Banyan, I forget what the first, My this dude, Kevin, had the first like raw food place on the Lower East Side in like 81. And I saw Victoria Kovinskis speak. I got a job at a health food store, which was connected to Integral Yoga institute on 13th street so i got free yoga classes and uh got to go and work in the kitchen and study with uh people that cooked ayurvedic stuff you know with the spices and then you know they always had uh speakers come you know and wigmore hippocrates health and victorious kovinskis and swamis and it was uh a great time to and I was searching for something, you know, I came off the streets. I, I did two years in lockup. I went into the military. I was a drug addict. So I fucked that up and uh, went AWOL, as a matter of fact, because I caught a drug case in, in Norfolk, Virginia. And I was looking at like some serious time and I was like, yo, I can't I can't do that again. I just did that in New York in the worst places. I was in Spofford for three months in the Bronx and then upstate. You know, they had us going through that whole scared straight program in 78 when I was locked up. So we went to like 
fish scale, raw way, uh, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, Hey, so if you've been following me for any time now, you know that I often talk about Helin 951, the nitrogen fermented organic soy drink. I first learned about it at an integrative cancer event years ago, and I've been taking this myself for a long time. It's so potent and it has a strong flavor. So I add their organic mint powder to it and it's easy to take any time of day. I usually take it in the mornings. You know, I'm constantly looking into natural health products and the ones that catch my eye are the ones with years of proven results and the science and research to back them up. I love that Helin 951 checks all of these boxes. Made from a unique 100% organic soybean grown in the high mountains of Mongolia, Helin 951 has some incredible health properties. Just a few of the benefits are more energy, better sleep, detox, longevity, better immune function, and some fantastic anti-cancer compounds. The folks over at Helin have made a page just for our followers to learn more. You can head over to Helin951.com forward slash crane. That's H-A-E-L-A-N. 951.com forward slash crane. They have special discounted packages there for you to get you started. And if you use the promo code crane, C-R-A-N-E, at checkout, they will also give you free shipping. So head over and grab this special offer for yourself and use the free shipping promo code crane, or just give them a call if that's easier for you. They are so easy to work with and have over 32 years in the industry. Again, that's helin951.com forward slash crane. If you don't offer people uh, something to replace all that negativity, right? It's just gonna keep offending. Cause yeah, exactly. everybody that walked into those prisons, they scared the shit out of us, and it lasted maybe a week, and then it was like, when I got out, I went right back to selling drugs on the street and and got popped again. No, you know? they call they call prison rehabilitation, and it, it's not. I mean, it's jail not. and prison it's, is it's, not rehabilitation. Actually, people who, who people it's it's proven people who go to prison more often than not actually end up doing worse things than when they got there because of the environment. Yeah. You become a better criminal, and that's now that uh, I mean, if you look at the documentary, the Thirteenth, you know about the Thirteenth Amendment. It's basically there. It's it's a modern form of slavery because right. they're able to get inmates. You know, you had inmates making Victoria's Secret underwear and fucking all this other shit and and, and growing, uh, you know the you know growing vegetables for like fast food places and paying them like a dollar a day, uh, and you know that's the Thirteenth Amendment is like if you're incarcerated, you lose all your rights. So. They, you know, they don't try. And now that prisons are traded on Wall Street, you know, it's like it's business. They got to keep those beds full. And I mean, this was years ago. Now, with all the craziness that's going on, you can shoot somebody and be back out on the street. It happened to my friend and the guy was back out on the street in a matter of like two weeks. You know, no, you know, so. No, I went to I went to juvie when I was like 16. You know, I was similar similar kind of childhood in a lot of ways, you know, drug addiction, hardcore drug addiction, alcoholism, you know, arrested many times and then yeah. house arrest, all that. And then basically went to juvie and, um, you know, I went there and it was basically, I mean, it was basically prison for, for teenagers. I was in there with murderers and, yeah. you know, I didn't, you know, I was, uh, I don't remember how long I was in there. It was like a couple of weeks or something. And it was even for teenagers, you would think they're trying to rehabilitate you and make you a better person, all that. It was like, 
I was locked up like 20 something hours a day and there was no therapy. There was no health food. There was no discussion of how to become a better person or how to heal emotionally or how to deal with the traumas that you have or the addictions that you have. It was like sharpening your fucking toothbrush so that you don't get shanked, you know, having one in your pocket kind of thing, because that's the kind of environment that, that I was in, even, even as a teenager, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a pretty heavy, uh, gel in, um, prison for kids, whatever it was. Um, even then at that age, it was basically a replication of what, you know, prisons are like today. And that's, you know, and people think, oh yeah, they're, they did terrible things, lock them up. They're bad people. But you, you and I both know it's, it's, it's the traumas in our life. It's the abuse. It's the neglect. It's the, you know, that lead to the addictions that lead to the terrible behaviors that lead to then being in prison. And really what you need is you need love. You need compassion. You need education. You need support. You found that obviously through your own journey. And so is that then what led you to uh, becoming Hare Krishna? Is that kind of what led you down the spiritual well, it path? Was kind of like, uh, you know, I was very fortunate that um, I got into like punk rock in the 70s, you know, which was anti-establishment. Nothing what you see going on now. This is like completely the real deal shit compared to these fucking, you know, now it's about fashion and fucking tattoos and whatever the fuck. Like back then, you know, it was it was a lot different. So I started going to punk rock clubs in 77, you know, like I would sell drugs uh, during the daytime. And then at night I was I spent time on the Lower East Side or, you know, going to Max's or CB's or, you know, um, the other bars at uh, punk rock clubs and stuff like that. So um, when I, I went and I was into rock and roll, too, I, I saw Led Zeppelin. I used to hustle fucking drugs at the concerts at the Garden and Nassau Coliseum and uh, and then go in and see the show. So I, I that music thing, even when I was a kid in the foster home, we were being fucking every type of abuse imaginable, starved, beaten, molested, everything. And uh, music was always like my outlet. Like they made us live in a garage and like I found, you know, I got this like little AM radio and that was like my lifeline out of the misery. It was always music. It was always black music, you know, like soul music. And then, um, so music was a big part of it. And even in lockup, when I was locked up, you know, they had like, um, kind of like a rec room. So everybody that listened to rock and roll would be over here. And then the fucking, you know, the brothers would be there. And then the Spanish dudes, or you know, it was that type of thing. But when I went into the military, I was heavily into punk rock. So um, when I got to Norfolk, I started going to this, the punk, whatever punk shows there were at Taj Mahal and uh, the Kings Head Inn on um, Hampton Boulevard. And uh, I got to meet the Bad Brains and that was really the life changing thing because they had just started getting in, into Rastafari like they they didn't even have dreads at that point. They were still had the spiky like punk rock hair. This was like the spring of 1980. So like, um, you know, 
when you first get into something like that, just like when I got into yoga and philosophy, it's always you, you want to tell the next person or even the plant-based shit. You're like, you're absorbing the knowledge, but you're also paying it forward. And that's how HR was at that point. So he kind of took me under his wing. And then when that drug shit happened and I had to split, you know, I was hanging out with like Henry Rollins and Ian McKay in DC and the whole DC punk scene. 1980 so I went to the um to see this band the undead at the 930 club and they were from New York so I hitched a ride with them and came back up and moved in with the bad brains and that was like how my you know their sound man JW was like raw foodist he started turning me on to all the philosophy books and everything else got a job at that health food store and then it was really about just changing your environment. And that's right. I, I just did this documentary with Kip Anderson and um, uh, what do you call it? Um, my dude over there, Paul DeGelder, we put this documentary together called 30 to Life. And we worked with these like dudes who did over 20 years in some of the worst prisons in, L in, in California. You're talking uh, San Quentin, Chino, Pelican Bay. Like the real shit, not no, not no kitty boot camp shit. And um we just showed them in this documentary that if anybody is showed, like you said, love and compassion and giving a way out, regardless of their past, anyone can change. I really, I really believe that. And we proved it in, in the documentary because I think out of all those people, only one person reoffended. And they went on to lead productive lives. As a matter of fact, I'm in touch with Lewis, my friend, from the documentary. When you see it, I'm I I got him a guitar from um I think it was Ibanez or one of these guitar companies. I reached out to a friend of mine. I was like, hey man, this guy started playing fucking acoustic guitar in the joint with like three strings on it, and he gifted like a, a amp and a fucking beautiful guitar and all the so like, you know, no one ever really showed these guys love man like like you know right. we had rich roll uh we did a 5k run and the whole community came out like the town to cheer these guys on and some of them never been in the ocean and paul took them swimming you know and then like some of them had a fear of heights and what did Paul do? He took them skydiving, you know, like we made them do community service. They went to a farm sanctuary and like got to meet the animals and like, man, how could I ever have eaten this fucking animal like this, you know? So it's just taking them out of that environment and exposing uh, people to different types of things, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, the COVID thing hit and then the financing kind of dropped out. So it's, I think it needs some more editing and some other stuff. And, but uh, eventually that'll come out. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, a very strong piece of uh, work that we did. What's it, what's it called? What's it going to be called? 30 to life. 30 to life. Okay. So it's yeah. not out, it's not out yet, but. No, it's not out yet. It's sitting there. It's all recorded, you know, because the thing was, you had to do follow-ups. So we waited right. like two years. So, okay, where are they now type thing? And then when we started getting doing all the uh, 
follow-up interviews then the pandemic hit so like then it was just everything was locked the fuck down so uh dude i want to i want to see it like uh it sounds amazing is there like a crowdfunding campaign people can uh think like he just finished his thing called uh christ spiracy so oh yeah yeah so that's coming and and i think like this is going to be the next thing so yeah we'll do uh crowdfunding whatever the hell to try to get this film out i think it's very relevant uh especially now you know just everything that's going on so uh see what happens you know well that's i mean you know talking about uh plant-based for a second but also people in prison people who are homeless uh you know, the, the, the outcasts of society, the people that, uh, everybody forgets about or doesn't care about, you know, compassion is at the root and the heart of most spiritual traditions, whether it's, it's Hare Krishna's it's Buddhism, it's Zen, it's Christianity, right? I've, I've, Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far as a special thank you for tuning into this episode. I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book, absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal, but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. I had some beautiful, incredible experiences chanting with the Hare Krishnas in San Diego years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and I spent a lot of time, many years studying directly with Zen masters and Buddhist masters. And, you know, compassion is really at the heart of these spiritual traditions. And not only compassion for animals, don't eat the animals because they have souls, they're living beings. And by practicing compassion, with them by not eating them we are building compassion and good karma in our own lives right good actions good thoughts good intentions lead to uh, good results in our lives but also compassion for humans and you know you look at jesus in the story of the bible for example and you know the people that he served the most the people who came to him the one that he the ones that he healed the ones who basically became his disciples these were all the outcasts, the drug addicts, the alcoholics, the homeless, the, the outcasts of society, right? The disease, the lepers, the people with, you know, that nobody would touch or be around. These are the ones that he helped the most. And yet today, people, whether they're practicing Christians or not, like, I think so many are lacking compassion for other human beings. They look at the outcasts of society, the black sheep, the the drug addicts, the homeless, the the imprisoned, and they're like, well, they deserve that. That's their own. Oh, yeah, you know, look no further than the vegan movement, man. I mean, the way that they fucking treat other people is just that's why they caught a bad fucking rap. Right. Like, yo. It's one of the got- reasons I got out of like kind of the raw food community because it was so at least the community that I was part of was like so cult like. And I saw yeah, that mindset uh, and I was just like, dude, it's like, it's too much. It's too much. Uh, man, the raw foodists are like some elitist motherfuckers. And, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. and I've been doing this shit longer than any of, uh, you, you know, come on. I've been doing this shit 
you know, 40, 43 years going on, like into the raw foods and all, and all that stuff. And, you know, I just look at it this way, man. Like, you know, even when I did Joe Rogan's podcast, you know, all the vegans were like, I can't believe you didn't call them out for hunting. Like, you know, they wanted a three hour fucking like confrontational podcast. And I'm like, you listen, you get you you attract more, you know, and, and I, I can't even use the analogy because they're all against honey. But, uh, you know, you attract more people. You attract more more with honey than you do or maple syrup, vegan, sorry, uh, than you do with vinegar. And I had so many people write me after that podcast and be like, hey, man, that was a respectful conversation. And like, you're the first. And I don't even call myself a vegan. That was the first shit. I'm like, I don't call myself a vegan, Joe. He's like, yeah, but you wrote a book called Meat is for Pussies was the first thing out of his fucking mouth. And I'm like, it's taking the piss out of people. You know how many motherfuckers told me like, oh, yeah, you don't eat meat, you know. You're a fucking weakling and this and that. You need me. So listen, that's what I do. I'm a New Yorker, man. You fuck with me, I'm going to fuck with you 10 times harder. But it's it was all in good fun. I mean, it was never, you know, like putting people down. I've, I've always like, you know, tried to help people to, to change their diets. I, and I think like out of the whole thing, anybody that's been doing it, and I'm not just bragging, but I think I made more people change their diet and lifestyles than anybody that's fucking doing that shit and been at it longer. So, but if you judge something by the result, right, then what's the result that a lot of those people got over the years? Oh, fuck vegans. And then it was like, oh, yo, this dude makes sense and he's funny. All the vice clips that I did, lasagna and the rest of it. You know, uh, the fucking lasagna, the smoothie shit, the, just everything that, uh, you know, even the thing I did with uh, Brian Rose, you know, London Real, fucking uh, Iron Mind, you know, the movie and whatever. It's always like coming from a good place, not like, you know, and I always, I always say that too, is like, you know, any one of us is one check away from being homeless, you know? So I've, I've been feeding the homeless since 1982 in New York city and not just like paying for it and cooking it, but actually going out on the front lines to the community and sitting down with people. And like, cause I was homeless as a kid on the fucking streets. And so it's like, I, I understand what it's about, but I had some of the realest conversations ever sitting down with some of those people in New York. And even in the last, um, the book I wrote, The PMA Effect, I said, listen, you can't judge nobody and, and understand where they came from. Cause there was this one guy and I used to see him all the time and he would just come and get the food and never talk to nobody. And then like sit out there in the park bench and eat. And then I just finally started sitting down with him and, you know, chopping it up and I, I i found out his story i was like yo how i mean i know why i ended up homeless but like you know like this is what happened with me like i opened up to him and then he was like yeah well you know it, it took that minute to be like you could tell that this was a fucking load of just heaviness that he's been carrying around in life and he was like i had 
the Wall Street job, high six figures, condo, family, everything, like vacations, you know, cars, house upstate, the whole anything, you know, summer house in the fucking Hamptons. He had it all. And then his wife and children were killed by a drunk driver. So then he started drinking. To, he lost everything. Overnight, everything was gone. His, his entire world. And he said, I started drinking to deal with that pain. And then I wasn't going to work. And then I started doing cocaine. And then, uh, you know, I got the eviction notice. And he was sleeping under the fucking FDR drive on the East River in, an, in a homeless encampment with like tarps and shit. And like, I, you know, I was like, wow, like fucking, you know, I knew to do that a story, but it was like, and then I didn't see him for a while. And I thought, fuck, I, you know, you think the worst, you know, yeah. who, like the state of consciousness that he was in. And then he showed up one time and he was helping us, you know, cause we would serve out in the rain and everything. We would just build like, a, you know, like we had like a tarp that we built to make a tent so people could come in and get, and he helped us set up and he was there all cleaned up. And he's like, yeah, man, I've been cleaning sober. I went into a program and he helped set up the whole thing and feed people. He's like, I just wanted to come back and pay it forward. And he told me that he was going to jump off the Manhattan bridge and his family and daughters popped in his mind's eye. And they were like, this is not what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. He had this like moment and he broke down and collapsed on the fucking anybody. I used to run over that bridge. So I know how easy it is to just climb up that little fence and, and he climbed down and like collapsed crying. And then he went to get the help that he needed. But I just finished a book on addiction and my brother passed away right in the middle of writing it, you know, from drugs. So uh, I know all too well, you know, and the research that I've done in the book, which is probably going to come out in the first quarter of 2024, uh, I had the I, I looked at statistics and over 80 percent of every addict reports that they were abused as a child. And this is how they deal with that pain is by drugs. And that that was our story, too. We were horribly abused. And my brother I dealt with it my way through music and literature and writing and even fighting, you know, yeah. all the time. And um, eventually, you know, it, it was the spiritual path that pulled pulled me kind of out of that. But even I relapsed after so many years, 88 to 90, I had a huge relapse. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At healinglife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors, uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at healinglife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with 
these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net, and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. You know, freebasing cocaine and fucking almost got murdered the first time I ever freebased in, down in Miami and, uh, and then crack and pills and booze and fucking went on a two-year fucking like insane thing, you know, and, and I had drug dealers put KOSs, kill on sites on me and fucking everything. And, you know, it was, I just broke down one day. I got, I lost everything, man. I went into, it's a crazy story. I mean, the book, um, it's, uh, it's very heavy, but it's also, you know that I had a guardian or angel, God, Krishna, whatever you want to call it, protecting me through all of that madness because, like, I had to let some people read it, like Joe Rogan and some other people, because I, I wanted quotes from them. And they like, dude, I, I can't believe that you survived this fucking shit. Like, I'm like, that's the one thing many people say. It's like, how the fuck are you still alive? And, and like, my whole... I started fucking drinking and all that shit at 11 and 10 years old and then popping pills. And, 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 but you know, even when I thought I found my way, there was still, and like I said in the book, when, when, you know, you think that, you know, you healed, but you didn't really, it's still there. And I said, you can cauterize the wound. You can, but if a bone doesn't get set properly, it has to be, rebroke those those wounds will open up and for me the thing that did it the most was um betrayal mm. when somebody betrayed me because i was betrayed as a kid i felt you know people said they love me this and that and then they abused the fuck out of me and i didn't trust nobody and then when you put your trust in somebody and it was band members one in particular and supposed to be my homie and rob me and did like just I just fell off. It, it, I just went off the fucking rails and uh, very destructive. And the only way I believe I survived was God's grace because I had lost everything. Um, I went in, into a, a crack house in Alphabet City, and I had um, like an ounce and a half of cocaine that I was freebasing and these dudes fucking slammed me in the head with a fucking pipe and left me for dead, man, took all my shit. And I just went into Tonkin Square Park and broke down crying. And then um, the next day I went to the Hare Krishna temple in Brooklyn. I said, if you don't let me stay here, I'm going to die. Mm. And the guy knew he had heard about all the stuff and was like, you know, basically said, you can stay here, but you have to get a job. You have to come to the morning programs. You have to do all the programs 
spiritual programs in the temple because that's going to help you to put this behind you. And that's what I did. So I had to crawl my way out of that shit, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, people say, oh, I hit rock bottom. But I always say you could go below the rocks with the maggots and the fucking decaying carcasses and fucking, yeah. you know, you, oh, there's, yeah. there's lower. you can always go lower, dude. And yeah. I was such a scumbag at that point. You know, I wasn't robbing little old ladies, but if you was a drug dealer and, you know, I took drugs off my friends like that I never paid for. Like, but I made good on all of that. I had to come back and face that. You know, I didn't do a program, the 10 step program, but that's one of them is you have to get the forgiveness of all the people that you wronged. And I don't knock the 10 step program, the 12 step program. I'm sorry. Um, But whatever works for anybody that's what i tell them to do like somebody today was like oh man i can't find any uh i slipped up i started drinking again i feel like shit do you know any online groups that meet and i said no i don't but just go in person to a meeting if you really want to get clean and sober you don't make excuses you find a way to do it and for me even in 90, when I got off that shit, I stay, I didn't go into a program. I had to fucking walk past all the dudes I was getting high with. Yo, you want to hit this or fucking, you know, I was in the belly of the beast. And I, I had the, my work in my program was I started, I got into, I was a bike messenger. So I started training. Then I started going and taking some classes with Ron Van Cleef, the Black Dragon, at El Bohio. He was teaching martial arts. I got a job doing some construction with a friend of mine. He was a black belt. So every day we would do some, uh, he would show me some karate techniques and just, and, and, and you know, just towing the line, man. And that's that's what it took. It was the the sports that kind of pulled me out of that whole thing and the spirituality I started chanting and so that you know where there's a will there's a way man if you you know I'm 61 now and I just did my 14th Ironman fucking you know it's like you you have to have a, a daily routine and so many people talk about that from Jocko to fucking Joe Rogan to like all the people I look up to that really you know, even like Rich Roll, all these people, they have a regiment that they follow uh, that keeps you on the straight and narrow and, right. and Goggins and all these fucking people. And then women too. Like there's so many amazing women that are doing amazing things. I just watched a movie about the woman who swam from Cuba to, what is it? Yeah. Neon? Neon or whatever it is on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, it's on my watch list. I watched the trailer. It's I haven't seen it great. yet. It's, looks, looks I epic. mean, it's so inspirational of like never giving up. And that's what I said at the end of the my memoir, which is right here, The Evolution of Cro-Magnon. The last words in there is you have to live by the code of the warrior. Never give up. You keep fighting. You keep showing up to the battle every day. And that's you know, that's what I do uh, every day, man, and try to pay it forward and help other people. And I think this next book is going to really do that because I think 
so many people relapsed during the pandemic and so many people that never even used drugs started using just to deal with the stress of all that, you know, and fell off from their regiments and, you know. Well, and, and one of the things with addiction, you know, that I've found out over the years in working with thousands of people and talking about my story as well, I work with a lot of cancer patients and chronic disease patients, you know, it's been my focus for about a decade now is helping people uh, prevent and, and empower their bodies to heal from cancer using natural and integrative methods. And one of the things I found with addiction is that addiction is addiction is addiction, right? I may have been addicted to cocaine and, and meth and cigarettes and alcohol and all, you know, pills and all these hard drugs, but People are addicted to sugar, to processed foods, to fast food, to sodas, to all these things. And that, that addiction is just as bad in many ways, you know, to at least uh, it may not kill you as fast, but it's going to kill you. It may yeah. not it may not change your your behavior in a way that you're going to go rob people for, you know, drug money, but it's going to change your behavior. It's going to, you know, make you more lethargic. It's going to make you lazier. It's going to make you fatter. It's going to make you think slower. It's going to make you more depressed, right? We know that these high sugar foods, highly processed foods, highly palatable foods and fast foods are literally causing so much disease and depression and chronic illness. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I want to take a quick second and let you know about something really special I recently updated I think uh, you might benefit greatly from something I think you might enjoy and want to take a look at. And it is my book called The Panacea Cleanse. It's a powerful 12-day plant-based detoxification and healing guide. It's already hit number one in four categories on Amazon. There's thousands of people that have done this cleanse, and I've read so many testimonials from it. Let me read you one really quick. Aaron said, I did the Panacea Cleanse and followed your instructions closely. I had amazing results. I stayed healthy while everyone around me, my kids and family, were getting very ill from a virus. I also lost some weight and my menstrual cycles are much less painful. I also don't have bad headaches anymore. Thanks for the information you put out. She's just one of thousands who have gained tremendous benefit from this cleanse. If you want to improve the quality of your life and your health, clean out your organs, clean out your digestive tract, help lose weight and burn fat, and basically give you more energy, help you feel alive, go check out The Panacea Cleanse, P-A-N-A-C-E-A, -A -A, The Panacea Cleanse on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks or something like that. And you can follow it day by day. It's got a recipe list. It's got a shopping list. It's got everything you need in there to follow this powerful cleanse. It took me about two years to create it. My wife and I have done it multiple times. It's been amazing in our own lives, and I'm happy to share it with you. So uh, go check it out if you're interested, the Panacea Cleanse. It's on Amazon. Thanks, and let's get back to the show on this planet. That, that addiction is just as bad in, in, or just as similar, I should say, to the addiction of hard drugs. I mean, sugar has been compared to cocaine in what it does to the brain in the same you know cheese, uh too. mechanisms that it fires in the brain right that thing about what cheese does to the brain the guys from uh forks over knives the doctors proved that that it has the same mechanism that dopamine release from eating cheese yep. you know i mean i think 
you know, the whole thing is, what's the ultimate solution? And I have to get back to the spiritual roots of everything because in 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 the philosophy that I follow, the Sadira Vijajaja Jandia Taika Jiva Vileva Saya Sagare Tadamajajibayati Lobomoy Sadormati. That's uh, Bengali. That the tongue is the most difficult and voracious to control of all the senses. But once you bring the tongue under control, all the other senses fall in line. And I find that to be so true because people are eating all kinds of crap. They're talking all kinds of nonsense. It's like, you know, just control that. And then the next phase is, all right, you know, where do I go from there? And, you know, like my teacher Prabhupada said, you should never eat any processed food that comes from a can or anything. Mm. Like everything should be fresh, natural, organic, no pesticides, you know, and I mean, they, you know, they do dairy in the temple, but they get the dairy right from a cow. It's not some animal that's being abused. Like if you're living on a farm and you don't take away false, you know, you're not taking away the, 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 you know, the, the calf from the mother, or any crazy crap like that or abusing the animals, but it's tradition in India, you know, they, consume ghee and do whatever it's not for me i have a problem with that so um you know i kind of you know segued out of eating any any dairy or, or anything and you know um it's just my thing but right. i feel if we want to get to solutions to all these problems it's got to be higher consciousness is the solution to everything right and i mean Look what just happened during during the pandemic, right? Over 80% of the fatalities were the obese with three or more pre-existing conditions. Where's the big push to get everybody healthy? They fear-mongered to get everybody to do all this other stuff, which I don't want to get into. But where's the big campaign to get everybody healthy? Type 2 diabetes is at epidemic levels in America. Obesity uh, the U U.S. adults have now hit 50% obesity rates. I think the children are at 32%. Where's the big push to make everybody healthy? And like I did say in Meters for Pussies, you know, to the pharmaceutical companies that are running this country and running the, the health of this country, and Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller was the first one to take all the natural cures out of the textbooks and colleges and the medical institutions and replace it with petroleum-based drugs because he was a petroleum-based person. And then when those drugs cause cancer, what does he do? He turns around and starts the American Cancer Society to control the narrative on that. And now we see, and I talked about Codex Alimentarius in Medes for Pussies too. Look at all the stuff that's going on now. They're trying to wipe out any mention of natural medicine. If you say that natural medicine and herbs can heal you on a YouTube video, your shit's getting taken down. Well, we got we got demonetized uh, because of that exact same thing. And I only share, you know, evidence-based information on natural solutions. I mean, my, my friend has put together almost 80,000 published scientific articles has pulled together the abstracts through a website called green med info on natural medicine this is in the peer-reviewed literature yeah. right the top journals around the country eight seventy-seven thousand uh abstracts on natural medicine for every disease on the planet plants herbs all kinds yeah. of natural things 
in one place. And people are still being told today, doctors, students in medical school are still being told, told today. I hear from them because they'll post on my you know, Facebook posts and stuff from time to time, which just yeah. makes me laugh that, uh, that natural medicine doesn't work. There's no science that supports it. Yeah. And this of is what they're being, isn't. they're still being told this course, in medical school course, today. Of course there isn't because John D Rockefeller took all of that out of the textbooks through the Flexner report, yep. away the licenses of doctors and completely controlled the narrative. So it's about it's about money. Just like I always say, a, a, a patient cured is a customer lost. We have to take responsibility for our own health and wellness at this point. And I always I always did that. I always trusted my immune system. And then all of a sudden it, it became a conspiracy theory. <laughs> like the immune system is a conspiracy theory. So, you know, of course, that's what they want to do because they've completely hijacked medicine right. and you know big farmer is the real i'm sorry like even even dana white he just fasted and did all this stuff yeah he said i'll never go to a doctor again as long as i fucking live unless i break a bone or something like that like they don't tell you about the power of fasting the mitochondria all the shit that the benefits of fasting it kills off all those dead cells and regenerates your cells and does all of this stuff, the infrared sauna, they don't teach you about cold plunge. They don't teach you about raw organic produce and the powers of phytonutrients and all this stuff. It's all about take this pill to hide the symptoms and then that's going to cause more disease and you're going to need another pill for that. And that's how this whole system and look where it's gotten people. I mean, like I said, I'm born in 1962. Like what I and I started working in the what they want to call alternative health industry in 81. And they were talking about the hippie in the health food store. This guy, Tom, was like, yo, they're trying to pass this crazy shit called Codex Alimentarius. I was like, what the fuck is that? It's like and he said it's the pharmaceutical companies banning any kind of mention of herbs and restricting right. them and the power, the healing power of plants. But you go watch a documentary like, um, you know, like fucking Forks Over Knives or What the Health, and you see the case after case after case of people just turning their health completely around and they're more vibrant. And it's not that, you know, like the raw food people, they're so fucking obsessed with wheatgrass enemas and every other fucking thing they're doing. I'm like, yo, you're obsessed with this shit. You're you're annoying. I, I couldn't fucking spend more than five minutes with you. But this is the vehicle we have in this lifetime to do what we got to do. For me, it's, you know, I built yoga ashrams that fed the homeless with my own hands. I'm out there fucking, you know, at 61 years old, fucking still competing, still helping people. Like, this is this is what... We have this vehicle, we have to take care of it. This is the temple. This is our vehicle that's, we're the passenger, we're the soul in the body. So, you know, we can't neglect this because look what happens to sick people. They're, they're just at the doctor constantly, their whole quality of life. And I always got these people, my grandmother, smoked fucking five packs of cigarettes and like da 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 she lived to 100 i could give a shit less how long they lived 
what was the quality of that life, right? That's what I'm looking for is the quality of life. Like I don't, I'm not on a single medication. I, my, I'm fucking like next to, you know, what? Seven, eight percent body fat. Like, but I'm not sitting there weighing myself every day either obsessed. Oh, do you count calories? I get these fucking wackadoos asking me all this shit. I'm like, I don't fucking count calories. You know what I had this morning? Fucking organic steel cut oats with organic blueberries and like almond butter toast, you know, all organic and juice. And I don't have to count calories. Like how many calories do you consume on a day? I couldn't fucking tell you. I just eat when I'm hungry. And then when I start to feel full, I stop. And you know, it, it, like I said, if you judge something by the result, I've been doing, I started doing wheatgrass juice fasts in fucking 81 and went to Puerto Rico and grew sprouts there in Hawaii and just been doing this for so long. And I really feel even when I was in the, in the grips of addiction, I would be up for three days smoking crack and then be like, yo, let's go get some fucking wheatgrass juice and detox. <laughs> oh, shit. And I feel like that's, I never slipped back and it, ate burgers or any of that shit. Do you feel like that? Because I literally had like the exact same experience in growing up in Bozeman, Montana. I got uh, taken in when I was homeless. I got taken in for a little while by my best friend's family who were vegetarians and really spiritual people. And I think partly what like kept me from dying literally was after a three or four day binge, then, you know, I'd go eat like a healthy organic vegetarian meal, you know, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't know vegetarian, vegan, carnivore. I didn't know anything about any of that. Nothing. It was just like, that's the food that I had and I'd eat it and I'd feel, you know, and like fresh juice and, you know, yeah. sandwiches and stuff, all organic, all super clean fresh that stuff and i was like and life, I, <laughs> I feel like it's i feel like it was partly what saved my life aside from the angels there like you were talking about you had angels absolutely you know, around you it's like and, and, and angels in human form yeah that's the other thing mm. i had a lot of compassionate people around me man i would show up at angelica kitchen and leslie the owner and my friends that worked there would be would be like hey man Here's a dragon bowl, which was like everything organic, brown rice, beans, greens, dressing, fucking, you know, score, like whatever. There was always people there helping me out. And that's why I can never repay that. It's like, mm. it's just like, how do I repay, you know, how do I repay Prabhupada, who, who, who gave me the knowledge that took me out of all the worst shit anybody could ever imagine? You can't. And even the, the people like when I asked HR, you know, how do I, man, you fucking did so much for me. You were the first person to ever put a mic in my hand. That got, that took me all over the planet. The love of music and all that. He goes, Rasta, the Rasta man can't pay it back, man. You pay it forward. You, you help the next person. I love he that. said, don't pay it back, pay it forward. So that's really you know, been, uh, you know, my path in this world is, and I do it through literature. And like you say, I try to keep a funny aspect and tell stories around making a point. Cause I'm a writer. First and foremost, I studied with the great one, Mr. Robert McKee who wrote story. So I try to always 
you know, in the beginning of the book, he says storytelling was an art form. People used to sit around campfires and tell stories thousands of years ago and the oral tradition. That's something that's becoming lost now with these fucking gadgets, man. Everybody's just you, you, you look around now. There's no there's no social skills, no social communication. Everybody's walking down the street, you know, looking at their fucking phones. And right. that's not the that's not the generation that I come from, we had these amazing things called conversations. (laughs) Now these kids come out of their face all wrong. And you're like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like you live two blocks from me. I'll be over there in an hour. They're like, no, that's not what I meant. I was like, well, you know what? Learn how to talk to people, bro. Go out and have conversations because the way you're coming off is mad fucking disrespectful. And (laughs) the place that I come from, when you do that, you get hemmed up, okay? So, you know, watch your P's and Q's. But- I got I to gotta tell you a story real quick on that note because we were just talking a few minutes back. I just got back from Mexico. We were visiting my wife's family, and they live down in, in Veracruz, and they are, you know, going to most parts of Mexico that are not, you know, touristy, just a regular yeah, part of Mexico. Yeah. It's already third-world country, right? Yeah. Um anybody who's ever been it's 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 very poor you know you just look at their highways and roads compared to ours it's you know an eighth of the amount of money probably that goes into them the buildings are all torn down and beat up people live in shacks and then you drive five hour four and a half hours inland where all the little ranchitos are the little tiny towns and stuff and everything is like like a fourth world country you know it's it's everything's just held up by little sticks and little tarps and little tents and and it's all you know built by hand and everything's barely held together um you know the water's you know difficult to to get there's no electricity in a lot of places there's you know the days we were there out at her parents house there's no cell phones we just turn the cell phones off there's no internet there's no stuff like that they only turn on their refrigerator because us from America are coming to visit them and we need a refrigerator when they're there. They don't ever use the refrigerator. You know, they don't have washers and dryers. They do everything by hand. And so it's, it's really another reality, but the nice thing about it, there's a lot of nice things about it. You know, there's pros and cons, but to your point is, you know, for three and a half days, we sat and had amazing conversations. You know, we went to her aunt and uncle's house, which is really a little shack. Like you see it, it's like yeah. it's a little shack with a with a bed, and you know, they basically live halfway in nature. I mean, windows and doors are open all the time. Animals come and go. It's like they are living almost like indigenous uh, on the planet. And we sit for hours and hours and just shooting the shit and laughing and telling stories and. Here they are, the, some of the most, most poor people on earth, you know, barely a few dollars to their name. You know, every day it's just get the food to eat that you're going to eat for that day and go about your business and go into the next day. They don't have nice things. They don't, they don't have Amazon delivery. They don't have barely electricity and running water. And here they are laughing and telling Happy. stories and conversations and enjoying their life in a way that you just don't see very often here in the civilized you know modern uh, developed countries like the united states anymore it's just mind-blowing it's such a different reality it's actually you know as there is struggle there and challenge and and diseases are on the rise because a lot of the processed food has been 
imported there. And so people are eating tons and tons of junk food as well. Diseases are on the rise. So there's a lot of suffering and pain and not a lot of access to any good, you know, healthcare or health education for that matter. You know, the, the relationships and the conversations is so refreshing. Um, nobody's on their phones, you know, nobody's watching TV. It's just like, it's a different reality. And it was and happy. And, and those people are so happy. And they're I talk, more happy. I, I talk about that too. in the PMA effect, cause I go to Jamaica a lot and I go off the fucking grid. Like, you know, I'll stay at a hotel in the grill, but I'll go all up into the mountains and it's the same shit. Like people living in shanties and, and just happy as fuck, man. And, you know, hanging out with those people and having, you know, conversations. And I mean, that's, um, to me, I'm like, yo, and you see, you know, some, and, and then I've been all over, I've raced all over the world, Taiwan out in the fucking, and, and been through the yoga stuff too. I went to like, um, um, where the hell did I go? Not, uh, in, uh, not um, fucking. I've been all over, dude. I can't even remember half the places. But just staying out in the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, uh, and uh, in Malaysia, mm. Port Dixon, and like the people are so they live their life so simply. And that's what Prabhupada said. He said the key to happiness in life is simple living and high thinking. Mm. Like we've become so technologically advanced and running on a parallel track with that is all the medication for depression. Right. I'm depressed. I'm going to take a pill. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I need to go get fucked up. I, I'm not, if you're, if you're feeling depressed, the last thing you want to do is go get high. The last thing you want to do is go fucking take some big pharma medication to try to make yourself feel better. I dated a girl and that's, she had some problems and then they fucking doctor got her on Paxil and then one thing and another thing and she needed another drug. She became fucking suicidal after like nine months. It was like a completely different person I was dealing with, ready to jump out of windows and stab herself. I'm like, this is not the same person. This was a happy, she was a model. She was in fucking hip hop videos and fucking like people would stop in their car and be like, holy shit. She was Puerto Rican, Panamanian, and Irish, like off the boat Irish, like her, her, her grandmother, and then Panamanian and Puerto Rican. I mean, she was like one of the most beautiful girls you could ever see. And then what they, just cause like the minute that they saw some, something of like, that was bad, they just threw fucking gasoline on it with these medications. And that's why Prabhupada said, man, simple living, high thinking, man. That's why I came down here. Like all the crazy shit that went on in New York. I'm like, I'm all around organic farms. We're, we're planning on getting all this organic farming going. I live near the Hare Krishna temple over here in Alachua. You know, of course, the Mama Luke's are all like, oh, yeah, he's going down to Trump country. I'm like... <laughs> I, I never voted in my fucking life. I, I never supported a single politician. I live in a spiritual community down here, okay? Like, I'm out on the fucking roads in January, cycling in 70 degrees with a fucking short sleeve shirt. We're, we're doing all this amazing stuff. I got a three-bedroom house with a garage and backyard and the whole shit. 
everybody's so nice down here and it's all kinds of people it's like you know, but for people who don't know you're talking about florida and i you know i i moved to florida i'm in days. high i'm in high springs which is 20 miles north of gainesville yeah. there's a vegan restaurant here called fucking um oh what the fuck is it called it's farm to table it's um i forget the name of it uh and, and then it's all organic farms where they don't allow people to use pesticides over here. Well, I'll the put country. it. I'll put it. I'll put it this way: the we were in New Mexico during the height of the pandemic, and in our minds, we had two options if we wanted to get out of there and have freedom in our lives, health freedom, and it was Florida or Texas, and we chose yeah. Florida. You know, we chose Florida, and I. The Absolutely. only regret I have is that we didn't move here sooner. That's it. <laughs> Are you in Florida now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We moved to Jacksonville yeah. about two two years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, because I'm like, yo, I, I, you know, they were gonna take my girl's job and all this shit. It was like, I'm like, yo, how did New York go from like the most amazing city to fucking tyranny? Right. Like, I'm like, yo, uh, it blew my fucking mind, and it blew my mind that the people I thought would have stood up to the bullshit all got on their fucking knees, and that was a lot of people in the alternative health community as yep. well, which I'm not going to mention any names, but started throwing me under the bus because I was questioning the shit. And if you're not allowed to question the narrative, that's not science, okay? That's propaganda. And that's the way I looked at it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fight these motherfuckers because they got a whole army of whatever the fuck behind them. I'm just going to extricate myself from this situation. And it was the best thing. Like I said, I'm up in New York all the time. I'm heading up there Thursday for like two or three weeks, but I just don't have to live there anymore. And that's a shame in some regards, but it's not even the same city uh, that it used to be as far as I'm concerned. Um, but like I said, I don't want anybody telling me what I got to do as far as like, you know, what medicines I have to take or, you know, any of this shit. Like, I'm well, never it's the same. It's the same thing with food. Right. So like I, I think our philosophy on the, the, the plant-based diet, I don't like to say vegan either, just because it, you know, there's, oh, there's yeah, connotations to it, but, but whatever the vegan diet there, there's, I think, I think our philosophy is aligned in a lot of ways where it's like, look, I discovered this for my own health and well-being. Uh, it's changed my life, my family's life. I then have done the research on it. And I mean, I've done thousands of hours, literally thousands of hours of research on it, read thousands of peer-reviewed papers. I've interviewed over 400 doctors, have worked with you know thousands and thousands of clients, cancer patients, et cetera, seen amazing results. So like, I fully believe it, live it, and, and know for myself that this is the lifestyle that creates health and longevity and vitality. And I'll share it with anybody who listens. But unlike how I was in the first few years, which was like a zealot, right? Like a gun ho zealot got to convert okay, everybody like, like a religious zealot. You know, I, I eventually changed and was like, look, I'll share it with anyone who wants to listen. But other than that, like, I don't force it on anybody. I don't care if anybody actually changes their diet or not in the sense that like, I don't have attachment to it. I don't push it down anybody's throat. I don't tell you, you have to be this way or else you're a bad person. Like, I don't believe in any of that, you know? And that's what a lot of the vegan movement is today that I see. It's about shaming people and making you feel guilty and about saying you're a bad person for killing animals and all that stuff. It's like, I don't think that is the way 
to actually help encourage and inspire people to it doesn't you know what the best way and you know what my teacher i gotta bring it back to Prabhupada one more time that's Prabhupada. and what did Prabhupada say examples better than precept you could say anything you want to people they don't give a shit they're looking at what is the example that you're setting right and you're you're a great example of somebody doing the plant-based diet right i think i'm a pretty good example as well at my age you know i'm in my sixth decade of fucking living after all the other damage that i've done to myself and i'm still out there killing it and i'm like that's what people are looking at they're like damn dude like you know and i think rather than being a mouthpiece and and that's why the vegans caught shit all the time. I would hear dudes in the gym be like, yo, if that motherfucker's vegan, I'd never want to do that diet. <laughs> like, cause they're all fucking eating processed shit and not exercising. I think, thank God, you know, you know, um James Wilkes movie, um, you know, uh what the fuck was that called again? Mm, I have to look it up. I don't remember. Yeah, you know, James Lightning Wilkes, he did the he did the documentary about all the athletes that were going plant-based. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh Game Changers. Yeah. Yeah, the game which they filmed me and believe it or not, they filmed me for 13 hours and I ended up getting uh scratched because of the title of that book Meat and Some Pussies. And you know who came after me the most over that title? Was the vegans. Vegans. The vegans were like, oh, it's, it's, uh, what do you call, what they call me? Uh, uh fucking, um, uh, oh, it's with, with all the, um, the land, the, uh, on spacing, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. They, they, uh, oh yeah. They call me a misogynist. Right, right, right. I was like, yo, that book has helped more fucking people than you ever will. And I reached truck drivers. I had special forces motherfuckers, MMA fighters read it and be like, yo, I started implementing slowly some of the shit in the book. It's helped me tremendously. And it's like, that was the, you know, I had a campaign with Lululemon, fucking a men's, a men's athletic line that wasn't like tights and shit with all the, and, and, and they wrote to them and were like, this guy's a sexist and all this nonsense and we're going to have your brand boycotted like they came at me like yo i'm out here trying to help people and helping people and what are you doing you're sitting online trying to destroy people right and that's then what, when that's i bring what... up all you guys that just took this shit uh you know what's up with that right and that's you know, what i was killed every, animal, <laughs> killed every animal in the test trials and contains <laughs> the cells of dead animals blocked <laughs> right you know what the term i was thinking of i spaced out on a minute ago was cancel culture it's like this hey, woke, oh, this woke cancel culture man and it's i read the book and like it made me laugh you're i mean you know misogynistic you're obviously not misogynistic you know it's like it's it's a term that anybody who you know meat is for pussies it's like look we we all grow up grew up many of us as younger men it was you know if you were a younger men around other younger men it's like if you did anything weak or whatever you called them a pussy and it wasn't a yeah, you know it, it wasn't a from? term against women like we weren't calling you it was just it was just it's just but a you term. know originally where that came from there's a word pus pusillan pusillanimous 
It means a weak coward. Mm. That's where it came from. It wasn't talking about a woman's like as pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. Let me see how to. Well, I'll tell you what it is in a second. And that's where the shit came from originally. They don't even know the history of the words that they fucking use. Yeah, I never, I never knew that history. I have to look it up. Pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. Oh, pusillanimous. Showing a lack of courage or determination. Showing a lack of courage or determination. Timid. That's where the word came from. But they don't want to hear that. Interesting. Because they have their blinders on. And anybody that they want to go on the attack, and I've seen it happen even during the last three years. Anybody that had a difference of opinion, cancel culture that motherfucker. Right. Pussillanimous comes from that's where pussy comes from it pussyless puss pussyless is me from latin means very small and animus yeah. means mind so pussillanimous yeah, is like basically a small mind but just you showing ready? a lack you of ready? courage pusillanimous yep pusillanimous pusillanimous that's where the word comes from so like and i pr i presented that I mean, the crazy shit was uh, when they first got, I put that book out by myself. Just, I'm, I'm going to give you a little backstory on that book. We put that out by ourselves. We did like 5,000 copies. And then my friend who designed it, Todd Irwin, he's a famous drummer in New York. His brother played in keyboards for Aerosmith, but he does design work. He won a, he won a, he won a design uh, award at the New York Book um expo for best design for a nonfiction piece of work uh he was out at uh the hamptons hanging out and he meets this guy and he's like yeah gives him the fucking book and he's like holy shit this is fucking genius and this was at the same time that uh thug kitchen was also shopping their shit around right so i went in we had we had a bunch of offers and 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 I went in uh, to um, Harper Collins Wave and and Karen Rinaldi was like you're gonna be the next fucking Anthony Bourdain and all this shit. I was like, yo, you sure you don't want me to tone down the title a little bit? I can no, we want it exactly how it is. This is you. You know, you're authentic. This is how you fucking are. You know, you're the consummate New Yorker, plant-based, all this shit. Don't change a thing. Well, the book comes out. They start getting all these fucking letters. And then she comes to me and says, I need you to write a letter of apology. I said, there's no fucking way on God's <laughs> green earth that I'm doing that. I'm not apologizing for shit. Because once you start apologizing, right. shit that's not wrong, they're right. never going to stop. They're going right. to want you to apologize for everything. I said, no, you told me you were cool with it. You supported it. You didn't want me to change it. I'm not. So then they just basically didn't even promote the book at all and let it just fucking, you know, they, they, they fucking didn't. They didn't even support the book, run ads, nothing, nothing. Jeez. And now they just keep some copies on uh, Amazon for anybody that wants it. But I mean, if, if you look at who if you look at who thrives in our modern culture, who are 
standing up for what they believe in, who are speaking truth to power, who are standing up for freedom of speech. It is the ones who don't give in to the cancel culture. It is the ones who keep going and saying and speaking the truth. It's the ones who, you know, you mentioned Joe Rogan. I mean, they tried canceling him hard. You know why? You know why the shit started against him? Because he fucking, he had Peter McCullough on. I know. I watched that, that him and him and Robert Malone. Which right. I've been following them for the previous year and a half leading well, up to that point. Let me explain to you how that went down because I'm the one that turned them on to Peter McCullough. I sent them the first video of Peter McCullough because Joe Kahn, who was one of the plant-based doctors who fucking stood up to the bullshit. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. To... He he actually connected us, uh, Doctor oh, Kahn. Wrote, yeah, he wrote the forward to my book "Unfuck Your Health," and he and he sent me in 2020. He goes, "Yo." I, this is my student, Peter McCullough. Look at the video he did. It was front. Of, it was in. It was in front of the Texas Senate that they stopped him from giving out the therapeutics. Yep. And I go, what the fuck? And then Dr. Khan explained it to me. You can't get the emergency authorization. Like all the all the shit. If there's a treatment, I sent the video to Joe. He's like, what the fuck? He had never heard of ivermectin or any of that shit. But then Joe had reached out, I guess, through his people. They got McCullough, then they got Malone. And that's when all the hate started coming yep. against him, right? Like, oh, yeah, they dig up a shit where he said the N-word somewhere with all black dudes that were all comedians and laughing and like, oh, when he did this and he did that and all these fucking so-called rebels, Neil Young, if his shit doesn't come off Spotify, I'm removing my... My fucking cinnamon girl song, like you know what I love. I love the spot. I love that Spotify stood behind him. Obviously, he was 100%, bringing 100%. he was bringing too much money to Spotify for them to to dump him. But they yeah, if it was they, somebody like they told, me, they, they told all those musicians, look, he's more important. You know, it's like he's more important than you. Go ahead and take your shit off. We don't care. Yeah, but <laughs> see, even when Joe was facing losing. Like these guys in these punk rock bands won't even say nothing because they don't want to sell a few shitty t-shirts and get paid 10 grand to play a fucking festival somewhere. Joe risked a hundred plus million dollar fucking platform to speak the truth. Right. And the vegans all fucking tried to cancel him. And the vegans, even the vegans who do podcasts, the biggest ones shut the fuck up or sided with the bullshit. Yep. And only presented one narrative. I don't have any respect for any of them at this point. Yep. I'm like, you showed your true colors. Even Dude, in writing, my, 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 let me, um, my, let me finish my statement. In writing, it says that true character is only revealed under pressure. The greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of true character. Well, if 2020 on wasn't a revelation of motherfuckers' characters, I don't know what the fuck is. And the ones who you never thought would stand up stood up. And the ones who you thought would stand up got on their fucking knees. And even worse, the guys like fucking uh, Garth Davis and the rest of them tried to destroy even Joe Kahn and everybody who said, hey, man, let's like hear from the other side. Let's hear all narratives. Let's not be didactic. Let's hear what the other side has to say. That's that's real science if you want to talk science. Right. So, like I said, it's not what a motherfucker says, it's what they do.
hundred percent. But I was on. No, I, no, no. I, I didn't want to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's powerful words, dude. And I, I love that you stand behind your truth and you speak your truth. And it's, you know, it's that, that's what we need more of. I mean, that's why I wanted you on the podcast because it's like, I don't, I don't care about anybody who wants to write in, you know, bad comments about whatever we're talking about, or who are going to complain about the title or about any of that. Like I could care less about any of it. I mean, I, I had my, speak. I had my business partners and, and closest friends and advisors asking me every month for two and a half years to tone down what I was, what I was uh, putting no out way, during dude. COVID because, because I was putting out so much, it was affecting our business negatively. They were shutting down my accounts. They shut down multiple Instagram accounts. They were, you know, uh, disabled me from uploading on YouTube for eight months. Uh, yeah. You know, my Facebook was, you know, shut down multiple times. It was like everything shadow banned. And it, and, and it's like that, when that shit happened, all it did was motivate me more, lit a fire under my ass to even speak out more and do more and interview more people and review more well, science you know and put it says? out there. You know what that says? That 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 gives all the weight to the past that you came from and that I came from. And you know, we don't give a fuck, dude. We you know, like I said, you want to cancel me? I had motherfuckers try to cancel me. Oh, you deleted my Instagram account with 150,000 motherfuckers on it. You know, like Oh, you're canceling my band. You're trying anyway. We put the record out last year. It was fucking number one in the hardcore distributors, even with all these fucking clowns writing them. This guy's a Nazi. He's a fascist. He's a racist. Don't carry his record. We'll never support you again. Snag, motherfuckers. Like I said, I had people in real life try to cancel me. I got fucking shot at, shot, stabbed. Beat with fucking baseball bats. There right. ain't nothing you could do to me that's gonna fucking get me to not be the authentic person that I did, that I am, as a result of the past that I came out of. None of them would have survived a fucking month in my shoes back on the streets of New York in the fucking mid 70s. Like, so that says to your authentic self. Hey, you stood up and you fucking kept doing your thing. And you know what? You were right. And many of the people that challenged the narrative, we were right. Everything that we said is now coming to fruition. The fucking shit is being revealed of the shit that they pulled. Anybody that calls you a conspiracy theorist at this point is fucking lacking critical thinking skills. I mean, I, I have no words. I have no words for them because, you know, the CIA was the first ones to ever coin that phrase. And they used it against anybody that questioned the narrative on the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That was the first time that that was used. And they just keep using it. What did George Bush Jr. say the day after 9-11? The fucking pile is still smoldering and on fire. Do you know what he said on September 12, 2001 on TV? Don't believe these wild conspiracy theories. Why would you even fucking say something like that? And it was the same thing with this. Event 201, control the narrative. 
We have to go after anybody challenging what we're saying. In 2019, the Rockefeller Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates, the whole WEF, they met in a hotel in New York, a simulation of a pandemic. And what was the first thing they said? Destroy anybody on social media or anywhere that's challenging the narrative that we're putting forward of the WHO. We are the experts, all this bullshit. Listen, I don't want to get too far off on this because then they might end up censoring or whatever. But you know what the deal is, man. And it's like, always be your fucking self. That's what it comes down to. That's what punk rock showed me. I don't, I was punk rock when nobody was punk rock. In, in, in the fucking, there was 20 people coming to shows in New York City. Hardcore shows or whatever, or you know, I was always an outsider my entire life. I was the weirdo Forster kid dressed in fucking shit that we had to climb in a fucking Salvation Army poor box. I'm wearing another motherfucker's clothes that this family threw away. We, I was always that guy. That's why when I learned how to fight, I yeah, and the bullies stepped up. They got punched in the fucking mouth. That's the way you handle bullies. Yep. And And this was the proverbial punch in the mouth on these people because I never backed down from them once. You know, I've, I've caught shit for being punk rock in 1980. And then when I got into Hare Krishna, oh yeah, all this. And I got into not eating meat in 81. Everybody talks shit. I didn't care. This is my path. I'm gonna live my, my path. And same thing. You know, over the years of doing all this other stuff. And I'm just like, yo, be your authentic self. You can't be some, everybody else is taken, be yourself. That, mm. yeah, that's, 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 what I, that's what I tell everybody. And never be afraid to speak your truth. They've made it so that if you have a question or you want to say something that's different from the mainstream narrative, they want to fucking silence you. Fuck that. This time right now is what all the punk rockers stood up against and put records out about, about the fascism and the one world government, the new world order and the corporations and all this shit. And this is exactly what we've seen happening right now with well, these wars and all this other shit. And none of them want to say anything. I'm not picking sides. I don't give a fuck either way of who's involved in a war. There's people that are making money off of dropping bombs on innocent motherfuckers, and they need war. The, the medical industry needs sickness because they want to sell medicine. The military industrial complex wants to sell bombs. That's what they do. So, and they're going to get to do that however they need to do that, whatever lies they need to tell. Oh, yeah, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. We go in there and kill 1.2 innocent people and demolish the fucking place. And are they better off? We promised to rebuild and everything. We fucking stole what we had to and then we fucking did what we had to. If you saw Iraq for sale, the documentary, we made all this. The military industrial complex made trillions of dollars off U.S. taxpayers and then they cut and run. Same thing in Afghanistan. Is, is it? Now, like, we don't even know where this money's going in Ukraine. They haven't accounted for any of it. Where the fuck is it? Now, now it's another war we're paying for, and people are going hungry on the streets of the United States? Right. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And you know what? 
I put out a record called Upper and Arms on Metal Blade, Blood Clot, and that's, you read the lyrics on that fucking album, and it's exactly what, you know, and I wrote a song, Soldiers of the New Babylon. This is the new Babylon. What we're seeing happen worldwide right now, these governments all trying to be cohesive. The Rockefeller uh, paper that they put out on global lockstep in 2010, all the, all the fucking countries coming together in lockstep. We're seeing it happen in real time and nobody's saying anything. You know what I think is interesting is and, and inspiring is like, I, I feel like there's this movement happening. Certainly, you know, you're a, a, a leader in it of like this, this spiritual warrior movement. You know, I feel That's that in myself, is. right? It's a spiritual warrior movement and, and, you know, a plant-based lifestyle fits into that because of the, it's, it's number one, it's like seeking higher consciousness, seeking personal freedom, seeking health freedom, but not bowing down, not giving in, you know, standing up for our rights. I mean, look at, look at what happened with politics in the U.S., right? It was the liberals, it was the Democrats in the 60s and 70s that were standing up against power, against corporate greed, against pharmaceutical takeover, yep. against all the shit that now That's they support. Now they, the now they support it. Back then, they were completely against it, right? And it was peace. It's like, look, we need to lead by example. We need peaceful resistance, right? It's Martin Luther King. It's, 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 uh, it's Gandhi. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't even think that's going to be the solution either. And I'll tell you why. Because they see that type of mentality as a weakness. They're bullies. If if you show weakness to these people, they're gonna step all the fuck all over you. And that's yeah, but if you fight, if you fight them, they got way more that's weapons. The way to fight them on it, that's what Prabhupada said. The way to fight them is they're trying to make the Prabhupada always used the analogy about how they're trying to make the prison a nice place. Our goal is to get out of the prison. But right. I will give you a perfect example right here. This is the cover of the Bhagavad Gita. And you got Krishna and Arjuna, who was a warrior. Why was the Bhagavad Gita spoken on a battlefield in Kurukshetra 5,000 years ago? Why didn't they have that conversation in an ashram somewhere? Because time and circumstance. And Arjuna did not want to fight. He's a Chatriya, which means a warrior. But his family members, it was the, it was the Yadu and the Pandavas. And the Yadu dynasty was doing some very demoniac things. You can't let, that's why you need Chatriyas in society. You need police. You need military. It's part of the Van Ashram Dharma. It's the four orders of social and spiritual life, which are found naturally. You're always going to have your warriors and your protectors. We can't let scumbags come in and rape people and murder people and do this shit. We have to fucking stand up for that. And that's why the Bhagavad Gita is spoken on a battlefield of a warrior facing death who had to actually fight against his own relatives, but they had become demoniac. And Krishna said, you're a warrior, that's your... And then he had to break down the entire yoga system to Arjuna and explain the whole thing about Aham Brahmasmi, you're not the body. All the, the eight mystic yoga systems were explained. Everything was broken down. But it came down to one thing. You don't get on your knees for tyrants. So I, I noticed that my whole life. I grew up on the mean streets of New York. I was in fucking prison for fucking two years. 
If you show weakness, they do not back off. But it's uh, when you're fighting for the right cause, it's just like in the Christian movement. There's all this cult shit that went on, right? Raping fucking children, stealing millions of dollars, murdering people. Look at what's on Peacock now about uh, one of them, Kirtan Ananda. They did all this evil shit. And anybody that spoke out against them, they killed one guy. They beat everybody else up. And I stood up with my friends and said, you go out and give those magazines and expose people. We're going to be right here. And when they rolled up, guess what happened? The bullies became cowards. So we have to stand up and fight for the right cause. And that's why I don't believe, you know, Listen, I protect me and my own. I live I live in a state where, you know, you're allowed to have, you know, guns in your home. And if a whole crew runs up to your house and they're armed and they're looking to do damage to your family, how are you going to stop them? Go out and try to have a yoga conversation with them? No. That's how life is in the material world, man. It's these people have a lorded over mentality. They're trying to lord over everybody and take advantage of the weak. That's why the Van Ashram system is perfect. The four orders of spiritual and social life. And there needs to be those people who are the natural protectors. It's found naturally in society. You can see who the Brahmins are, not caste system or anything like that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you think? Prabhupada would do if people with guns rolled up on him and his ashram? Shoot them. Because really? that's what he said to do. Because that's what was happening in some of the temples. And Prabhupada said, get guns. Mm. This is not this is not a turn the other the the war the lineage that that uh that this teachings come from is a lineage of warriors, okay, that stood up for the right thing. Prabhupada never said let them come and they, they were coming in and, and smashing the temple room and assaulting people and all this. And Prabhupada said, get guns. See, and that's, that's, been not a, that's been a really challenging thing for me over the years on my spiritual journey to come to grips with, especially like I dove, like you've dove deeply into um, um, the Vedas and Bhagavad Gita and Hare Krishna. And it's like I've, I've spent a lot of time. I'm not Buddhist, but I spent a lot of time with Buddhists and studying Buddhism. I spent a lot of time with Native Americans and indigenous tribes. And, and like a big part of the, at least the Buddhist philosophy is, is, is pure compassion, right? And, and don't ever kill anything or anybody, even in self-defense. And so, you know, that's been a tough thing for me now, you know, as a father of two kids, it's like, what would I do if something well, I got? Would, Hopefully, yeah, I never well, have to deal with that. Well, let, but, well, let me put that on you. What would you do if guys came in your house to kill your children and I, rape your wife? I mean, I've asked myself that for years and years. Well, and I then think, you better be having the right answer, dude. Because I think like, I've gotten, you know, more in the last few years. I think I've gotten to a different place than I was five or six years ago, where it's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to defend them, right? I'm going to defend my family no matter what. But you know, at at what have now, you, you know, been, and I would give my, and of course, I would give my. Have you ever been up close and personal in a knife fight with somebody? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, I had guns. I was on the streets. We were, you know, I could have been murdered at any time. I'd been in knife fights. I'd been in huge fights with people 
you know, groups of people, you know, 15 people. There was two of us against 15 college kids. You know, there were bats and knives and guns. And I mean, yes, but not since I was 18 years old. I think the last I grew up fighting. And then after that, it's like on the spiritual path and meditating and all this stuff. It's like, I don't ever want to fight again. I don't ever want to hit somebody. I don't ever want to hurt somebody. I don't I don't ever want to be hit again. So thankfully, I've never been in a fight since I was 18. So it's been in 18 you know, years that's not, that's not you know i had somebody sit on my thing and say they were going to fucking slice my girlfriend's fucking throat mm. you know, I, I i saw a spanish kid punch an old lady in the face and take her phone and chase them down like it's a different world man it's a different world and um you know we're getting to the point where like i'm 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 like yo we're building a new temple down here and everything like that. And it's like, if anybody comes on our property looking to do harm to, you know, to the people in our community, it's not going to end well for them. Mm. And, and I'm sorry, but that's, you know, it's not, we practice ahimsa, yes, but you also... What's ahimsa? Nonviolence. Nonviolence, yeah. Okay. So, and speaking of Buddhism, that's why my girl don't even fuck with Buddhism anymore. The way most, uh, uh, so many of them eat meat, and then how they treated everybody in the during the pandemic. If you didn't take the thing, you couldn't even go meditate and all this other shit. Oh, I didn't they, know that. They, oh, dude, my girl don't even fuck with any of those Buddhist societies anymore, mm. and and that's the reason why. But um. It, you know, there's a reason the Van Ashram, that's what Prabhupada tried to install. The Van Ashram Dharma, the four orders of spiritual life, right? You got, you know, Brahmachari, Grihasta. Brahmachari is a celibate young student monk, then Grihasta, which is family life, right? Most people have a family. And then um, Vanaprast is... You're renouncing out of your family life after your kids are raised and all that stuff. And then sannyas, you go in the renounced order of life and prepare to leave this world like a gentleman. You don't abandon your kids and your wife and all this other stuff, but you have to prepare. It's like you said, when I went off the cliff, that was the big test. Life is all these little exams. And then when you're facing death is the big exam. What are you going to do at the time of death? It's whatever you did in your life, that's what you're going to, whatever you felt the most comfortable with and practiced, just like in training, whatever I did in training, race day, guess what? When all this shit goes sideways, I fall back on my training. I have friends that are SEALs. It's the same thing. It's like Jocko just said, oh, you had a tough day? Good. Good you had a tough day. I hope you have another tough day. And that's the whole thing is that it all led up to that path, whatever we practice in this lifetime at that, you know, for one who's born, death is certain. That's in the Bhagavad Gita. What are we going to do at the time of death determines the next place that your consciousness will carry your soul to that place. There's no birth, death, nor having once been does the soul ever cease to exist. It's eternal. So what's the consciousness of your life that you lived your life and you practice 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 so that when that big test comes what are you going to do 
You're going to chant Hare Krishna or you're going to scream like a banshee. Oh, my God. And the same thing with the four orders of social life. You have, uh, this, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, the Chhatri is the warriors. You have uh, the Brahminical class, the teachers. You have the uh, people who are the mercantile, the farmers. You, it's just found naturally in society. It's not some false narrative that you have to try to live by. So there's a reason all of those are in place, right? Look at what Hitler was doing during World War II. If, if countries didn't stick together and go fight that motherfucker of all the crazy shit that he was doing, we'd all be speaking fucking German, man. But people stood up and fucking, and, and Prabhupada said that he was one of the greatest demons to ever come on this planet that he took birth as a germ for a million lifetimes after. So Prabhupada used that as an example. Do we let him just go all over and kill Jewish people and fucking kill anybody and march through, goose-stepping through all these countries? No. We fucking, that dude had, that dude and all the people that supported that dude had to be put down. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that perspective. Obviously, that's a military, you know, governmental perspective. That's that's and it's that's in those in those in those cases, that's, that's obvious. That's, that's necessary a perspective because well, it could be a world war, but it could be a war within your community where fucking robbers and rapists and murderers are, are fucking coming to do harm to your family. Look what happened during Katrina during uh, Katrina. They went in New Orleans and took away the guns from all the law-abiding citizens and left them vulnerable to all the maniacs that came out onto the street looting with guns. Yeah, it's crazy. That's what they did. And I saw interviews of people that were like, I was helpless to defend my family. If I, but I didn't give up all my guns, and that's what saved my fucking life. So, so let's put that, I agree. And so let's put that example aside for a second. Cause I want to know what you think about this. So let's, you know, let's put, put All the right. violence coming at you and your family aside. I agree. We need to defend our families. We need to defend our communities. We need to defend ourselves, especially against violent attackers, rapists, etc. I, yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, but let's say you have a tyrannical government that, you know, we have a pretty good example of that today. That is you know, trying to force things down, you know, into your body or down your throat or become communist or whatever. Don't you think we have some great examples of societies that stood up against tyrannical governments through, uh, um, you know, peaceful, through nonviolent um, approaches, right? They didn't, they didn't bow down, but they didn't come out with weapons attacking them. They were basically nonviolent resistance. Uh, India against Gandhi. India against Great Britain with Gandhi, right? That's a great example. Gandhi made a lot of mistakes, including going to the place where he was warned not to go because an assassin. And Gandhi could have preached Bhagavad Gita, and instead. He did all this other nonsense. So he what gets... I mean, what I mean is the result, right? The result was, look, when when they had the guards at the sea, and and they banned the the locals from basically get, making getting their own salt from the sea, 
and anyone who would walk up, they had, you know, batons and they would beat them right. on the head. Right. And they just oh, yeah, lined up by the thousands crazy. and kept walking, 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 walking. Like, and there are many examples like that where they, they didn't fight because they always have bigger weapons. The government always has way more bigger weapons, right? Way bigger weapons, way more. Look way what more. Joe Biden said. You think you're going to fight this government? We have nuclear bombs. You right. Said that. And, and so, but look at what happened. The result of, of, you know, of, of India against Great Britain. Now, that's one example. There are other examples. But where they're not attacking you with weapons, they're attacking you with, right. uh, with thinking systems, with you know what? systems, You know what Prabhupada said? You know what Prabhupada said? Get the farm communities together. Mm. Become self-sufficient. Simple living and high thinking. We don't want anything to do with your so-called society, which is a society of madness. Okay? Uh, killing animals, killing babies, all of this shit. Now they found out, you know, they're harvesting baby organs and all the rest of this shit. We don't want anything to do with that insanity, right? So get the farm communities together, become self-sufficient, always go into the cities and have centers to help uh, elevate people's consciousness because that's really the greatest thing that we can do for humanity is to uplift the consciousness of this is a spiritual war. We are, we are in the Kali Yuga that lasts for 427,000 years, but we are only uh, 5,000 years into the Kali Yuga. So there is a 10,000 year period of awakening and we're just at the beginning of that now. And that's why they always say it's the darkest before the dawn. People are waking up. They, I, I, I always see the glass glasses half full not half empty. I feel more and more people, what this whole shit, what they're doing right now, it's waking people up. They right. kick the fucking sleeping bear, dude. Yeah, totally. And people I are see waking it. up. And you know what? We have to be there with compassion for these people. And we have to, you know, get the farm communities, raise the consciousness of the masses. That's really where it's at. It's that simple living and high thinking. We don't need this whole materialistic society. The more materialistic, when we're taken away from those internal conversations and philosophy, like what we're talking, it leads to the downgrade, the, the degradation of society. People used to sit around and talk philosophy, Socrates, all these great philosophers, and even Emerson, Thoreau, like all these amazing philosophers would sit around and, and talk philosophy and ponder life. Where is that happening now? All of this bullshit is distracting people away from those. And I just wrote that the other day on social media. It's it, it's distracting people away from the internal conversations that we all need to be having, especially with ourselves. We're running, like Bob Marley said, you're running and you're running and you're running away, but you can't run away from yourself. That's what's going on. So we want to have those farm communities and become self-sufficient. We want the centers in the city and all that. But make no mistake about it. If people come to that farm trying to cause problems or rob, rape, and pillage, then you got to have the motherfuckers there that's going to stop that from happening. But I don't, I don't live by that. I'm not walking around like, you know, concealed carry, like waiting for something to go down. I don't, I don't live like that. 
But what do the greatest warriors say? Always stay prepared for the battle. Live by peace, but stay prepared to fight. And that's always, you know, we called it different things on the streets of New York. We would always be like SOA, state of alert. Yo, watch your back. You know, you, you don't walk around like, like Joe Frazier said, what's the most peaceful room, room on the planet? It's a room full of fighters. They got nothing to prove. It's always the empty barrels making the most noise that are flapping their gums all over the place. They got to tell you how tough they are. I know friends, my friend just retired 20 years in the SEALs. He developed the whole fighting system that they teach in third phase of BUDS. He's the most humble dude you'll ever meet in your life. If you met him on the street, you would never fucking know how fucking badass this dude is because he's so fucking humble and respectful. He doesn't ever have to do that. And that's the kind of guy you want to have next to you when the shit goes down. And that's yeah. that's just my philosophy is to yeah. stay prepared so that you don't get caught out there. I don't want to be... That's why I always tell people, you know, my friend, I'm like, I'm trying to get him fit because he goes to the range. He does all this shit. I'm like, dude, you got to get your cardio together. You got to be fit on so many different levels, you know. But, you know, it's it's you always have to stay prepared. You never know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, you, you also live spiritually. But make no mistake about it. You know, Prabhupada's teacher was Bhakti Sananta. They called him the lion guru in India, the Nishringa guru, because he was fierce, but he was also self-realized soul. He was an Uttama Adhikari. So this whole thing where we have to move in peace and like, you know, all of this stuff, uh, you know, I roll with that to a certain degree, but there's a certain line that people are going to step over. Because what I've seen happen and what I'm seeing happen now in New York City right now, what's going on? This is what happens when lawlessness takes over a society and they do away with the treacherous, the police, defund the police. 2,500 seasoned cops just handed in their badge this year in New York City. That's crazy. And now you have these five foot women, no offense, that weigh 200 pounds, how are they going to fight anybody? What are they, like, it's insane. And you need to have police. You need to have military. You need to have, even if you have a farm somewhere, like I was just reading about this dude and three armed men came to his farm in Texas. And they, you know, came on there trying to do some shit. And thankfully, you know, homeboy was able to fire warning shots with a high-powered rifle, and they ran. But it's we're getting to the point where, like I said, the darkness before the dawn, and we haven't even seen, you know, these people are all talking about nuclear bombs. We should go nuke Iran now. This fucking cowards that never been in a fight in their fucking life, you know, never been in a fight in their life. These politicians are talking all this tough guy shit. It's crazy. And your fucking kids. How about that? Like, you know, there needs to be the Brahminical head of society are the thinkers. 
the scholars, the, the spiritualists, they need to be dictating what needs to happen. They need to be the guiding force of society because society right now is being run by tyrants. And look at where it's led us even in the last 20 years. Look what's been happening. Look at what they did, 9-11. They still won't answer questions about that. They still won't answer questions about the assassination of John F. Kennedy because he wanted to fucking pull everybody out of uh, Vietnam and, and do away with the Federal Reserve and all the rest of it. They don't want to answer any of these questions. Why did we even go to Vietnam? They That, that was a false flag, too. The Gulf of Tonkin, they said they fired on our ship. Never fucking happened. But we sent people over there killing people, getting our own killed. So we need the thinkers of society that are directing the head of society needs to be that spiritual class. Yeah. Right? And then the arms are like the fucking chutrias that are going to do what needs to get done to make things happen. The vices, the, the mercantile, the farmers. Who's going to grow the food? I love those bumper stickers. I see them down here. Hug a farmer because you ain't eating without one. Right. Like, and, you know, now you got Bill Gates trying to buy up all the fucking seeds and control everything. And this is what it's all about. These are fucking evil people that are just trying to control the planet. And, and the way they do it is to turn everybody against each other. And that's what they did. That's what they did in 9-11. That's what they did during this pandemic. That's what they're going to. That's what they're doing now with this Palestinian and Israeli crisis, Ukraine, Russia. It's always turn the people against each other. Turn well, the and they're going to they're trying to turn even, you know, the same thing in the in the food situation and vegans against carnivores, etc. Bill Gates buying up all the land. Right. What is he working on? What does he want to do? And what's he investing GMO in? Seeds. GMO and seeds and fake meats, right? So they're impossible. promoting they're promoting I vegan a, vegan I slaves the world. I mm. have a friend who won't even talk to me anymore, who was my best friend. Who, I won't mention his name. He has one of the biggest successful restaurants in Los Angeles. He said to me, Please stop dissing Bill Gates on social media. He's my business partner now with Impossible. I said, bro, I've been talking about this motherfucker for a long time. Now, you want me to, like, not expose the shit he's doing to humanity? Sorry, I can't do that. I was then called a Trump-supporting right-wing conspiracy theorist by him, and he no longer talks to me. So... Well, you and know, that's that that's the problem with not having critical thinking, riddance. right? Good riddance, man. <laughs> good riddance. You know, and so that's that's something people need to watch out for in in the vegan movement. Say people tuning in here are interested in adopting a plant-based diet or want to be healthier or want to perform better as an athlete. I mean, that's what my new company I'm launching, Plant Powered Athlete, that's what it's about. It's about encouraging inspiring and educating supporting people to add more real whole plant foods to their diet to improve their performance as athletes right but the other side of that is there are these greedy people and corporations in power that will monopolize and take over they've been critical thinking plant-based companies now Right. And then encouraging and telling you, you know, eat our fake processed laboratory grown meats and you'll be healthy and you'll save the planet, which is bullshit. You know, that stuff is is poison. 
It's total yeah. bullshit. And now the vegans are like, I would eat some lab grown beef. I'm like, yo, <laughs> what are you fucking crazy? Like, it's not about to them. It's like, it's not about health. I'm like, yeah, it is about health. Right. Because if you're not the shining example, if you're fucking 50 pounds overweight and you can't even run five miles or bench press 100 pounds, these alpha motherfuckers that we need to get in touch with, they, you think they're going to listen to you, the carnivore diet motherfuckers? No, they're not. And they make a good point. Most of these motherfuckers don't look healthy because they don't eat healthy. There's, there's a, there is a lot of people in the plant-based community that, you know, they do it the right way. And right. even in my books, I always said, hey, you know, I'm all for, like, you know, we have to grow. Transition. Even, we have to grow even as, as, as in our own life and admit, like, hey, okay. Uh, I used to tell people, go ahead and get the guardian, this, that, the other thing. It's, you know, but now as times go on, I see that a lot of that is processed and it caused inflammation. And I'm 61 years old. I can't afford inflammation. So guess what? I don't eat that shit anymore. I make my own motherfucking veggie burgers. Like, you know, and if I do have some uh, vegan cheese, it's going to be Miyoku's, which is like just basically like macadamia nuts and fucking like, you know. That it, stuff it is bomb. It doesn't have all this bullshit in it besides a little coconut oil, which I'm not opposed to. But hey, have I, you tried their vegan butter, by the way? Motherfucker, yeah, I got it right in my. Fridge. Oh, dude, that's like I, I will. I'll I'll cook up some toast just just to eat the butter. It's so good. <laughs> over by uh, her business. Really? Right? They just fucking kicked her out of her own company. So oh, watch who you get in bed with, man, because there's ruthless. These people are businessmen. You think Bill Gates gives a fuck about animals or the right. environment? Right. He fucking eats meat. He flies around in a goddamn private fucking jet. All I mean, I don't like to judge people, but look, look at how he looks. He is he not the boobs. shining example of health. He I'm got sorry. Fucking man boobs. He got moves. He's fucking fat. Even Joe Rogan was like, dude, you're one of the richest people on earth. You can't get a fucking trainer and go <laughs> fucking exercise. But even in Davos, when they had the fucking World Economic Forum over there in Switzerland, how many, uh, what was it, 1,100 private fucking jets flying in over there? Right. They own yachts, they own fucking houses, mansions by the ocean with not a single solar panel. Going to sit there and tell us how we make the rules for how we got to live? Rules for thee and not for me? Fuck you. I'm not into this plant-based shit to make you happy. You don't give a fuck about animals. What the fuck did they serve at the Davos Convention? Kobe fucking steak. Okay? How is that environmentally friendly or compassionate? They claim that it's they're doing everything for society. We're doing it for your benefit. No. They want you to own nothing by 2030. And if you don't own it, guess who does? Them. They just had a lecture where the motherfucker's saying, oh, yeah, only the rich are going to be able to travel but you can put a fucking thing on your face and see videos of Malaysia and, and feel like you're there. Like, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> fuck you and the horse you fucking rode in on, motherfucker. All these wimpy motherfuckers. I'm like, didn't anybody smack you in high school? 
Oh my god, that's what I love about you, man. Am I right? A, yeah, no, a hundred percent. You're right. Hundred percent. You? You're telling me how I gotta live, Bill Gates. People think they have a choice whether or not to take it. They don't have a choice. Oh, gee, golly whiz, motherfucker! You went on TV promoting something you invested in, and then after everything, you dumped the stock. You made three hundred million and went on TV that same night saying. We got it wrong. They didn't do we what we thought they would, and we have to do better next time. Yeah, this, we have to do better is, next time after we pocket three hundred million, right? Him and, personally, that's just him, right? I mean, dude, it's like wake the fuck up, people, and smell the fucking cappuccino, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, it's like, excuse my French, but it's not that hard to see. And the punk rock community has been singing about the New World Order for the last 40 fucking years. Crass, all these bands, the Cro-Mags, the Bad Brains. Cro-Mags, I was the lead singer of. I've been singing about that shit forever. And then we're seeing it coming and nobody's saying shit. But the message now is you're not going to be able to fight the fucking government. You fucking get your life together and have a simple life and be good to people and help each other and help be compassionate towards each other. They want us to hate each other. That's that's how they keep in control. It's like that that thing where they put the black and red ants in the jar and they shake and they, they exist cohesively. And then when they shake the jar, they try to kill each other. They're shaking the jar. It's like the movie Trading Places where they made a one dollar bet about controlling somebody's life. Eddie Murphy, right? That he was a scammer. I'll bet, you know, they. that's what they're doing with us. They're just throwing shit after shit after shit, being like, let's see what the cockroaches do now. Fucking chemtrails and everything else coming at, falling down on people. It's, it's, it's fucking insane. These people are insane. And, and that was another thing. They denied it. Now they're saying, yeah, we're doing the geoengineering. It's We, we have to stop the global. Bill Gates, we want to spray dust and block out the sun to stop global warming. No, you want to block the vitamin D3 coming out of the sun because that's a fucking vital necessity for human beings. So they always say they're doing it for the benefit of society. When it, I mean, that's the rap John D. Rockefeller said. That's the rap that they used with the fucking industrial animal agriculture. We'll be able to feed more people meat, right? And then they get into the GMO shit. We can make every potato taste the same for McDonald's, yay! And now look where we are. Look where the fuck we are. Look where all of that goodness for society and all that philanthropy for society has gotten us. Well... Dude, I'd love to talk to you for another two hours. Um, this has been we went, awesome. Actually, yeah, we went. Uh, <laughs> we're, already, we're I know we're already like a half hour over what what we, uh, yeah, we talked right. about, but uh, uh, I love talking with you, man. You're just uh, you're, you're fireball. Hey, you're you're fireball. You're inspirational. You're you know you speak truth, and and we need more of that. So you know, I appreciate you yeah. coming on the podcast, man. Getting to know you a little better, and. Um, and Dr. Joel Kahn, what an amazing, the heart healthy doctor. I'm glad he linked us up, man. I've met so many amazing people through him. And 
You know, he's a real warrior, that guy, man. Yeah, he's awesome. Like I, I was in New York before we left, and he would come down there and fucking, we had, we would go out and have fucking lunch and shit like that, and met his daughter. Just, there's so many good people like that. And it's like, people have to start seeing the good in each other, and that's the point that I want to make. That's what Prabhupada always said. If you see a spark of goodness, Fan that spark and make it a fucking raging fire. Mm. Don't try to throw water on it. Don't try to douse out somebody else's fire. Help them. Be compassionate. That's what it's all about. You know? We have to help each other on, on this to get through this crazy thing called life. I had so many people help me. You know, they, they always say that cliche, I'd be dead or in prison. Well, guess what? I had people try to kill me and I was locked up. So if I didn't have very compassionate people show me the way, that's where I would be today. And yeah. instead, I'm here having an amazing conversation with you. So that there you go. I think that's a good uh, good place to end it on a positive note. Uh, yeah, I want to encourage people to go go get John's book. Uh, meat is for pussies. Uh, if you're offended, and easily. I always say like this: If you want to know why I wrote that, read read this, because I even said the evolution I, of Cro Magnon. By the way, so for those I who said are. the violence that I experienced in my lifetime is what led me to stop eating animals. When I saw the documentary Meat, did you ever see that one? I don't know if I saw Meat. He did. Uh, let me get his name real quick, because this is I, I'll just leave. I'll leave with this. I've seen a ton over the years. I don't you know, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to check oh, but it this out. wasn't about the killing of the animals or anything. Mm hmm. It's just See? called meat. Yeah. And he was uh, David White. Is it that one? Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, it's uh, hold on one second. I'll tell you in a second, because he just basically made uh, documentaries where it was like he didn't do any voiceover narrations oh it was just the imagery yeah i have seen i don't know if i've seen that one but i've seen where it's literally just music and like the basically b-roll right of like the farms and stuff the factory farming and all that well he did titty cut follies which was frederick weissman and even when he did that movie it was about an insane asylum so he just shot the camera and shot the people he didn't he just let them tell the story mm -hmm. so when i saw meat in 1980 right and it was like it showed you the, like the opening image was this horse in a field and it was cold and the steam was coming out of the nostrils and then it pulled back and there was a cowboy on the horse and then it pulled back and there was all these other cowboys on all these other horses and they were loading, pull back some more. They were loading cows into the trucks out of the field. And then it followed them through the whole process of killing the fucking animal. And like, it wasn't anybody being vegan or anything. It just showed you the process of how they treated these sentient beings like machines. Yeah. It yeah. had no, I said, holy fucking shit. And I came out of a world of seeing people get murdered in front of me. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that. I've had violence done to me. I don't want to. I don't want to contribute to any more violence on this planet. 
And within like nine months after seeing that, I was completely off of meat. Mm. And I have been going on fucking, you know, 43 years now coming up in, in uh, 2024. Well, so, you're obviously you're obviously protein deficient and sick and you can't, you know, you're weak, you know, doing all these Ironmans and you're 61. You look like you're 45. You're obviously doing terrible on a vegan diet. I so. fucking suck, man. I just wake <laughs> up hating fucking life. I want hair and fuck you. You fucking motherfucking vegan. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I encourage people to go, go read the book. It's available everywhere online. Um, it's a good read. I got read. the new book coming too. Uh, I'm, no, I'll uh, send me a copy, man. I really want to read it and uh, yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you back on the podcast. Right yeah. I can't say the title right now because you know, if I, and, uh, everybody will be trying to like, when I put it, when I said I got a book coming out, meetings for pussies, I had somebody write me and go, Hey, I and then I went to get the the the, uh, the website penisforpussies.com and somebody bought it and I was like yo what is this and they're like oh I'll sell it to you for five for fucking like five grand or whatever right and I'm like yeah there's an alleyway on Avenue B <laughs> and fucking Thirteenth Street go down that alleyway. I'll meet you there at 1 a.m. I'll bring the cash with me. I'll have five and grand in cash. You bring the documents. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be real. You're going to sign it in your blood. <laughs> awesome, brother. I appreciate hey, God you, man. God bless everybody, man. You know, keep God in the center of your life, man. That's that's the biggest thing I can say. And be good to each other. Have compassion. Make the world a better place than how you found it. I love it. Love it. Appreciate you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes and that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening but empower our bodies to heal from them in every one of our cells we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth it's like sort of a, a yin and yang and you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort, it cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful for what you have achieved.